Good evening. Welcome to our evening worship service. It is good to have everybody here. Uh, I want to welcome everybody. And uh, as I said this morning, tonight we are uh, going to be blessed by Mr. Maxie Knowlton. He is bringing a message this, this evening. So we look forward to hearing that in just a, just a bit. Um, I just wanted to welcome you and, and give you the results from this morning's conference real quick before we get started. Um, and I'll just run straight down the list uh, real quick. Uh, our church trustees, Mr. Ronnie Green, uh, the three that were elected for Board of Stewards, Mr. Maxie Knowlton, Stephen Dukes, and Mark Muller. Conference chairman is Mr. Skippy Osborne, and the vice chairman is Mr. Scott Green. The conference secretary is Dr. George Green. Sunday school superintendent is Mr. Brant Lane, and his assistant is uh, Mr. Chad Welch. Sunday school treasurer, Ms. Fran Moore. Sunday school secretary, Mr. Brad Coker. And his assistant, Mr. Jimmy Coker. Uh, Mr. Jimmy Moore, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I wanted to run, run that down to you and uh, give you those results from this morning. And uh, we'll mention that again next week for those who weren't here. Uh, probably have it posted here and, and mention it again uh, at that time. Were there any, any announcements this evening? Anything you need to share? If not, let's open up with a word of prayer and we'll uh, get started with the service. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to you again for uh, your many blessings on us, for bringing us here again tonight, and we just ask that you would bless this service and that all that we do, what we say and what we sing and what we think and all these things, Lord, would bring honor and glory to you. And I pray that whatever is done here tonight, you would use to, to speak to us, open our hearts and our minds and make us receptive to your word. And again, help us to take it and apply it in our lives that we can become better servants for you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, y'all got to sing loud tonight. You know, in fact, y'all stand and hold hands and stand around the altar and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> We're going to sing two songs, 488. He keeps me singing. We'll sing the first and the last verse. And then we're going to switch over to 103, Blessed Be the Name. And we'll sing all three verses, Blessed Be the Name. Y'all stand and let's sing together. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still in all of life. still hear Benny singing behind me, so y'all sing a little louder on this next song if you don't mind. Hymn number 103, we'll sing all three verses.
We, let me, did we have a special tonight? Miss Maggie Webster, do you have a special for us tonight? We're going to invite you to come up and sing. We thought we had it right. If you would come at this time, Maggie, and, and share with us uh, your special and song.
Sister Maggie. And aren't we all thankful for God's amazing grace? What a, a, an amazing song that is. And thank you, Maggie, for sharing. Uh, songs like that are reminders of the undeserving grace that we have received. And when you truly have received that grace, it makes a difference in your life, and it should make a difference. Such a difference that you want to share that with other people. Uh, God's grace and undeserving grace, his mercy and his love that he's shown toward us. Thank you, Maggie. At this time, I'm going to ask, uh, I'll say, Mr. Maxie or Daddy, either one, if you would come forward, I'm going to turn it over to you. We've given you plenty of time to uh, share what the Lord laid on your heart. Well, since I look back, the crowd has grown a little bit. There's four of us. When I, last time I looked back, there was four of us. I told Benny, I said, Benny, you should not have told him sooner who was going to speak. But thank you for coming and, and being here. We'll, uh, we'll worship together if it's not but two or three of us. Uh, I want to share tonight some thoughts from the uh, fourth chapter of the Ephesians. And some of you that's in my Sunday school class will will probably uh, recognize some of the things that I say as things that we've uh, talked about in our Sunday school class. We are beginning a new series. Uh, we've, we've started last Sunday and actually had the first lesson today on uh, leadership, and uh, we're using the uh, study in the book of Joshua. And it's a really amazing book, and uh, I had the privilege of going through Joshua with a group of men in Sumter some months ago, two or three months ago, uh, and it was just a good a good study, and uh, it's uh, such good information related to not only that topic of leadership and seeing how God led Moses and how he led Joshua and, and lessons about God's hand upon us as we lead, but there's so much more in there related to uh, uh, God's direction for us as as far as living out our, our faith and our Christian life. Uh, and so what I, my, uh, Ashley asked me what, what the topic of the message was. And I said something like this, I'm not a preacher, I don't have to have a topic. You know, <laughs> preachers only have to have topics. I, I didn't really say that, but uh, I said, uh, I'm gonna be speaking, my, my main thought is about leadership. And, uh, and, and, and uh, one of the, uh, main ingredients, I think, in, in being a leader, uh, and that is uh, maturity. And so uh, either one of those thoughts would be our thoughts, uh, uh, signs of, of maturity or, uh, or, or either, you know, uh, what leadership is all about. Uh, the, the scripture that I, that I really will, will sort of focus on is uh, verses 11 through 16, but I want to read uh, one through uh, one through 16 because uh, one through through uh, 10 uh, actually uh, sets the stage for what we what, what I want to look at three three things in in verses 11 through 16 uh, that I think is related to uh, effective uh, leadership and and what I mean by effective what what we consider. Uh, in our terminology, in our way of thinking, a lot of times uh, successful, uh, whatever it might be, or effective, uh, what we consider effective or successful in, in God's standards are not always uh, his definition of it. 
And what, we would, what, what we're talking about when we're talking about effective leadership is, is leadership with wisdom that God gives us and the prudence that God gives us. It's, uh, it's God leading us in terms of what to do and how to do it. And, and that's true wisdom. When we seek God's hand and his guidance in what he wants us to do with our lives in every arena that we serve in, that we find ourselves in, whether as a parent or as a teacher or as a business person or uh, as, a, as a husband or a wife or whatever the, the, the arena we, 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 we choose, it's, it's God's wisdom guiding us uh, through, through that. And so uh, that, that's true success is doing things, finding God's way, God's will. In, in us and what to do and how to do it. And so uh, let, let's look at, uh, at, at beginning with verse 1, we'll read down through verse 10, and that's sort of some things we'll, we'll bring out that sort of sets the stage for what I want, want us to focus on in verse 11 through 16. Paul here writing to the church at Ephesus, and uh, he was teaching them. Uh, they... I wouldn't say was any more mature, any less mature than, than we are as, as Christians, but they, they struggle with some of the same issues that we do. But Paul, we, we, we know, was very interested in teaching them some basic fundamental things about maximizing their efforts as Christians for Christ and address some of the, some of the faults that they had and some of the mistakes that they made as, as they served him. And so as he addresses the church here, he, here's what he says. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. Paul was talking about their calling was the calling to serve Jesus Christ, the calling to a, 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 a walk with, with Jesus Christ, and to walk that walk and to live that life as, as, as God wants us to do it. Uh, according to his standards, according to the pattern that, that he has set through his son, Jesus Christ. So he, his desire is that they, that they walk worthy of, of that vocation that they're called to. And in verse 2, he says, Walk with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering and patience, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the, uh, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. These are, good, these are good statements that Paul was, was laying out for them that are to carefully consider. And then in verse 4, he said, there's one body. He reminded them that this thing of, of serving in God's kingdom, there was a unity to it. There was a oneness to it. It was one body. And I think we can relate that to, to our local church. And God's intent, I think, is for us to function together locally in a local setting as a local church as one body. When we do that, we function more effectively. I think we find God's way, and we see God's way more effectively. And we can serve him more effectively when we, when we are working in unity. And so he, he says that we in endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, Paul speaking now to the church, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And then in verse 7 he says, sort of changes gears just a little bit, and he says, but unto every one of us and 
Every one of us. Who is us? There he's talking to the church, the born-again believers, those who have professed Christ as their Savior, repented of the sins, and accepted him, and has a desire to walk with him. That's us. That's the church. So, but unto every one of us is given grace. God has given us, each one of us who has accepted him, he has given us grace. And we understand what grace is. Uh, I don't know if, if we really dig deep and understand some of the things that we that we talk a lot about and, and uh, we, we, we use in our prayers and in our, in, our, uh, in our church talk, but we don't fully understand what the depth of them. And, and grace is one of those things. Because you see, when he says unto every one of us, every Christian is given uh, grace, you know, grace is what saved us. God's grace is what saved us. Uh, by grace are you saved through faith. We are saved by God's grace, by his mercy and his grace. And here's the amazing thing about it. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of grace. And we are, we are allowed, we are given the responsibility now to share that grace. Not only do we receive it, but he, he has called us his ambassadors. He, he said we are his, his ambassadors. We've been given the privilege to share his grace. And so what is his grace? Uh, God loved us enough, loved us enough, that he came and died for us that we could be saved. And uh, that's how much he loved us. And he did that because he did love us, his grace. So uh, grace is a, I guess, a, a, a good picture of who God is. God is love. And when we receive him, we receive that. And he says, now you can share it. So we have the privilege and we have the opportunity. We have the directive to share God's grace. In verse 7, Paul was telling the church there, to every one of us, we all is given, we get, we're given grace. And God does shed his grace share, uh, on us, but he gives responsibility now to share his grace with other, others. According to the measure of the gift of, of, of Christ, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And so I want us to, uh, to focus a little bit on, on the fact that God gives us grace and gives us gifts. So he, he, uh, he, he equips us as his believers, as believers, to serve and to follow him. Now, skip on down to verse 11 if, you, if you're following me. Verse 11. And he uh, changes, uh, again, changes cogs a little bit. And he talked about the gifts that he gave. He was telling, reminding the church there that, that this giver of grace, uh, God, also gives gifts. He equips us to serve him uh, and to, to, to share the gospel with, with people. And in verse 11, he named some of these gifts that he, that he gave. Now, these particular ones, if you notice the, the characteristics of these gifts, he says he gave to some apostles, to some prophets, to some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers, in, in my translation, in a number of translations, that's stated as one. Pastors and teachers, meaning one, one office, one, one gift. Uh, and I, I think there's probably some translations that 
might divide it as pastors and as teachers. But anyway, those are uh, just some of the spiritual gifts that's listed here. Now, I remember a study that Dick did one time, and, and he talked, I, I think he said there was 17. We talked about 17 different spiritual gifts. And, but anyway, these are, these are a group that uh, seemed to be more pastoral to me, and, and he, he gave these gifts uh, to the church there. And, uh, and in verse uh, uh, 12, he, he, uh, he, he stated why they were given. And I think this is very important as we consider uh, uh, the you know, our position as far as uh, maturity in Christ and as, as far as our position to lead because it's hard for us to lead uh, if we're not equipped to lead and it's hard to lead where we haven't been and so leadership is very powerful and very strong and uh, so he says in verse 12 in verse 11 that he, he gave these gifts in verse 12 he, he says why he gave them and he says he gave them for the perfecting of the saints. These are why we have gifts. And so as, as we're here tonight as, as, as believers, and, and I would, would assume we're all professing believers, God has given us a gift, a spiritual gift, and some of us even maybe more than one spiritual gift. But he's given us the ability to serve him and to be a servant for him and to be a witness for him and, and a worker for him. In verse 12, he talks about the the, the reason for us receiving gifts, the reason why he, he does it this way. He gifts people uh, with, with the abilities, with gifts to, to serve him. He says it's for the perfecting of the saints. So the church is given gifts. Some, some has, you know, different, we have, have different gifts. But every gift is given to help build up the saints for the perfecting of the saints, not that we... Uh, are going to make each other perfect, but it, but it, but it indicates growth and maturity, uh, and 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 growing up in Christ. And so, the gifts are given to us to help not only ourselves but others grow up in Christ and and to mature. The gifts are given to us we, that we have for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of ministry. And uh, I think we can relate to both of those and understand, you know, what, what they are, they're talking about. So uh, if you're here tonight and you are Christians, and I, I, I hope we all are, then we have a gift that God has given us to use for the perfecting or for the growth of others, uh, not only in our congregation but in, in, in the kingdom. And, and those gifts are also to be used not only for, for, for helping Christians to grow, but it's to bring people into God's kingdom for evangelism. And so, uh, perfecting saints for the working of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So our gifts are given to us to build up the body of Christ. And so, as we assess, our, if, we, if we look at this, these instructions of Paul, and as we assess ourselves, we have to ask ourselves the question as we move through this, is oh, how am I doing in this area here? The things that God has gifted me in doing, the gift that he's given me or the gifts that he's given me, am I using them to help others, to edify others, to grow up in Christ? Am I helping the church to grow up in Christ and mature in Christ? And so if we're not, then we would have to ask ourselves, well, why am I not? Uh, and uh, so anyway, that, that, that was Paul's instructions to... to uh, uh, 
the church there related this, the perfecting of the saints, the working of the ministry for the edifying of the body. Then in verse 13, uh, it sort of, uh, in verse 13, is the point that I, I, I build my thought on, and that is uh, the, the point of the whole message. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. To a perfect man. Now, what is, what is he talking about here? To a perfect man. Now, the, the picture, get the picture now, the, the, that's here now, and that is the, the, the body of Christ, the Christians together uh, in the, the local setting here, we all have gifts, and we're using those gifts to grow up in Christ and to help others grow up in Christ. To grow up in Christ myself and help others mature in Christ. And he, he talks here that it's his desire uh, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, or another way of putting that, unto to a, a mature person, a mature spiritual man or woman boy or girl, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then in verse 14, so, so the, the picture that we see here is Paul, as, he, as he's driving this point home to the church, I think what we see is he is saying to them, we're gifted, we have gifts from, from God, uh, and we need to use them to edify each other and to build each other up and to help each other grow in our faith and to grow up in Christ, to mature in Christ. And I think if we consider that and we look at our, our own lives and as we look at others, uh, we can look at our own lives and probably we can see where as we have grown up, uh, that there might be a steady growth in our spiritual life. It might be, you might say, well, I really grew during this period of time and I really, these, this window of time, it really was not good. And then I rededicated my life, and this was tremendous growth for me. And, uh, and, and, and I've been walking with the Lord and growing, and my desire is still to walk with him and, and to grow in, in, in him. That might, be, that might be the testimony of, of, of many of us. But, but that was the point, that they, that they grow up in Christ and become mature individuals. Now, if we, if we talk about this thing of leadership, uh, then I, you know, I think we have to consider... Uh, this topic, and that is of our spiritual maturity. And, and God directs us to, to grow up in Christ. And so it, I think we need to assess ourselves and, and sort of see where we are in terms of our uh, maturity in Christ and, and what our desire is to grow up in Christ and, and to mature in Christ. Now, in verse, verse uh, 13 through, uh, through 16, I want you to notice three things here that he that he uh, he directed their attention to to look at in terms of, of making some kind of judgments about our maturity and about our growth in Christ and how strong we were in Christ and, and three things to consider and so as we look at these these three things uh, you consider them and and I'll consider them and and we we need to consider them and, and, and see where we are on them. So here's what Paul says to, to the church there, and I relate to this issue of spiritual maturity and, uh, and that, that position in, in, their, in their Christian life. Uh, in verse uh, 13, until we all come into a unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the next stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth, 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. And so there, uh, Paul is, is, is painting the opposite picture of what he was, was just explaining. And he, he gives the picture of a, of a child, the weakness of a child, and, and uh, mentally and physically and every other way, and how they can be moved around to and fro with, with no a picture of, of a lack of strength. And, and here's what he says, that we be henceforth no more children, and I think we say spiritual children, that, that can be influenced and tossed to and fro and, a care, and cared about with every wind of doctrine, with every wind of doctrine. And so what Paul was, was reminding the church of, until we are doctrinally sound, and we are, we are solid in, in what we believe in our doctrine, then, then uh, the question is, are we mature enough uh, to, to, to lead and to be the leader that God wants us to be? So he reminded them of the importance of, of, of being sound in their doctrine. And he says, uh, be, being knocked around with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait and deceit. So, the first point I think that, that we, we see here that Paul's driving home, home it to, to the church there is the fact of being founded and solid in our, in our doctrine. Now, that is, what do, what do we believe? For us to lead, you, we, we have to know where we're going and what we believe. Now, what do we believe? Let me read something to you. You might have heard this before, but I'm, I'll read it to you, see if you've heard it before. What do you believe? And why do you believe it? Because I think that was, that was a, a, a direction that Paul was taking here with these people. He said to be strong and to be a leader, to be victorious in, in your Christian living, you need to know what you believe. And here's what I've heard. I've heard some of you say this. You've probably heard me say this. Here's what it says. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. You believe in creation, just like Genesis said? I do. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that? I do. He, he, I, I, he was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary. Do you believe that? He suffered under Pontius Pilate, and oh, how he, was, how he suffered. He suffered. I believe that, that our Savior suffered under Pontius Pilate, and we know all of that story of how he suffered. Unjustly, but he suffered. And he was finally crucified. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the crucifixion? Do you believe he went to the cross? Do you know why he went to the cross? Uh, I think we all know that, and we can testify to that, and we believe that. And as we, as we look at him hanging on the cross, uh, there's so many parts of it that's so moving, but, but one, one part of that whole, whole reality, that whole story that makes me emotional when I think about it, was right at the end of it, right as he hung on the cross. And right at the end, a little bit of life still in him. And he said, it is finished finished it. He came to die for, to pay the 
the price of my sins and your sins and shed his blood and he had completed it. And that's what the Bible says. And he gave up the ghost and he died. He was crucified and he was dead. He wasn't just wounded on the cross, he died. And he was buried. Do you believe all that so far? Have you ever heard this before? Do we know what we believe? He was dead, he was buried. And he stayed in the grave three days. He was, he was secured in the tomb. The tomb was guarded. And on the third day he arose. I believe in the resurrection. The third day he rose from the dead. And uh, this statement doesn't say anything about those next 40 days, but the scripture talks about he was seen by individual people in small groups and even a large group uh, during the next 40 days. And then there was some kind of meeting with his disciples and, and he says, y'all go into all the world and proclaim the gospel and the Bible says, and then he ascended. So he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And today he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, making intercession for us. And from there, from that throne in heaven, one day he's coming back. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. There'll be a judgment. There'll be a judgment seat of Christ, and there'll be a great white throne judgment. He's coming back one day, and we believe that. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy, the Holy Catholic Church? I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. We talk about the universal church. That's the Holy Catholic Church. I believe that Christians in China and any other part of the world that's repented of their sins and accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior is a part of God's church, the universal church. We believe that. I've heard you say that. You believe it. I think most of you believe it. Hopefully all of you do. I do. Uh, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. 1 John 1, 9 is one of my favorite verses. It says, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful thought and a wonderful verse. I believe in forgiveness. I believe in forgiveness unto salvation, and I believe in, in the, the person that walks with Christ, that, and we all, we all sin. We might want to call them mistakes or blunders or whatever, but they're sin. We sin in, in our thoughts, in our words, what we see and what we do, but God forgives us. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. Christ arose and he became victorious over the grave and, and, and I believe in our resurrection. I believe in the resurrection of the body and I believe that life will last forever. I believe we'll spend eternity in either heaven or hell. Now, that's what we believe. That's what I believe and that's what you believe. I've heard you recite that before. I've heard you say that before. We need to know and we need to revisit what we believe and know what we believe. Now, a question a little bit harder than that about our doctrine about, and, and thought is about leadership and about maturing to the point where we can say, this is the way, let's go this way. Being the leader that God wants us to be. And, and what an awesome thought and responsibility of leading people toward Christ. 
And that's what he wants of his children. That's what he wants of us. It's for us to lead people, all people, toward Christ and uh, lead them toward salvation. We talk a lot, we've talked in the last year, we've talked a lot about evangelism. But that's God's desire for us to lead people as his children toward Christ. And it's also his desire, I think, and that's what Paul, Paul was writing, to, telling this church here about, it's also your responsibility to lead people in growth, in maturity, to grow up in Christ so we can be effective in ministering to people and leading people to Christ and helping each other grow up in Christ. And Paul was saying that he's given you gifts to do it. He's equipped us to do it. He's given us gifts to do it. And so uh, that's what we believe. That's basically what, what we believe. Now, why do we believe it? We believe it. Why do you believe it? Anybody want to answer that? Why do you believe it? I'll tell you why I believe it. And the world will say this is sort of a sh shallow answer. But I believe it because God, in his word, said it. And, and, and they might, you know, some might come in and say, well, listen, why do you think this is God's word? I don't even believe this is God's word. Well, I do. Uh, it's a very interesting thing, and I'm, I'm not a master at it, but, but it's interesting to study how the Bible was put together and, and how it's lasted down through the ages. And uh, so I, I've accepted this as God's word. This, this is God's instruction to us. As we've studied the book of Joshua, we've seen there where in the, 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 the books of Moses, there was the instructions that they had at that time, and, and they referred to them as the law to the instructions. Well, and so as God worked with, 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 with Joshua and was explaining to Joshua his, his role as far as taking over uh, for Moses, he referred him often, often to the law, to the instructions, and said, follow these. Follow all of them. Follow them just like they are. You know, don't vary from them. Follow the laws. And, and that has always worked. And we followed God's rules. I was reminded, uh, and I think in our Sunday school class, they were reminded, back, way back in the beginning of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, if you remember, uh, when God told Adam and Eve, says, look at everything you've got here. Look at all these, all, all these uh, fruit trees. Look at all the provisions that you have. I want you to enjoy every one of them. This is what I've given you to enjoy, except one. This one over here, the one of good and evil. Don't bother that one. That's mine. I'll take care of that one. You don't bother that one. And and God meant that because he's the one that determines what's good and evil. We can't. He's the one that determines what's right and wrong. We don't. He, he determines that. And when, when we decide to do it our way and not his way, we mess up. And as long as we follow the book, follow his instructions, it works. I'm not a great historian, but all of history proves that. When, when we, as a nation, live by this book, we prosper. When we don't, we fail. As individuals, when we live by this book, we, uh, we are given direction, we are given wisdom, we are given direction as to how to live, and in God's economy, we, we are successful when we live by the book. And so, as we see here, and we see, figure out why do we believe that, we believe it because God, God's word says it. And so, uh, I, I, 
personally, I've, I made a decision that I'm going to live by this book and I'm going to die by this book because I believe it's God's book. And so uh, th this is what we believe and this is why we believe it. So leadership uh, in, in God's, in, in God's <coughs> service, I think it's really important for us to know what we believe, to know what we believe and why we believe it. Now, <clears throat> look at another thing. That's number one, uh, to, to know, know what we believe and why we believe it. Verse 15, he says something else to him. He says, now not only know what you believe and not be carried around with all sorts of, of idiotic doctrines and beliefs, and, and the, the world is full of them today. You know, there's all sorts of things out there that's uh, getting the attention and the, the loyalty and the souls of people that, that's totally false, false doctrine is out there and it was true here and so Paul challenged the people to know what you believe believe the right thing and uh, and then in verse uh, verse 15 he, he says something else he says speak the truth in love but speaking speak the tr truth in love that you may grow up in him in all things which is the head even Christ but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Who is Paul talking to? Paul's talking to the church, <coughs> the local church in Ephesus, talking to believers, talking to Christians. And he, was, he, was, he said, what you believe is very important. Know what you believe. And, and, and you need to know that to lead people toward Christ and help them grow up in their faith. And he's saying here in verse 15, that you must be able to speak the truth. Speak the truth. Now, when I pray, and I, I try to pray for this daily, one of the things that I pray for, and some of you have prayed with me, and we've, we've, we've prayed this prayer together, is that, and, and, and I'll give you the background on it. I was chatting some years ago. I don't know, it's been five or six years ago now, by a man, Joe Gibbs, who I admire very much as a, as a coach. And a race car driver. He's, he's, he's in the race car business too. But he's a solid <coughs> Christian. And uh, I heard him one time and talking about him and some of his buddies that had made a pact, he called it. They had talked and agreed that every day they was going to pray for the country. They was going to pray for revival. And, and basically what they were going to pray for is that God would reveal the truth, would reveal the truth to those that lead and give them the courage to make the right choices and the right decisions. And that's a powerful prayer, to pray that, that our leaders would understand and see the truth and make those decisions. What Paul was telling the church there in Ephesus was how important it was for the members, the membership there, for the body, the local body of Christ there, if they served in, the, in, in, the, in God's kingdom, how important it was to speak, to be able to speak the truth. Now, the word speak here, when, when right now I'm, I'm the one doing the speaking, but this means more than, than audibly saying something. It means our life because we speak in more ways than just audibly, you see. And so my life, as you see me live my life, my life says something to you. It's a message. And your life says something to me. In Matthew's gospel, he puts it this way. We are reminded that we are, we are the light of the world. We, we're 
And, and he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify the Father that's in heaven. You know, what we do makes a big difference. Our testimony is a way that we speak to people. We can say what we want to audibly and do the opposite, and it has a negative influence. It, has, it does not point people to Christ. What points people to Christ is when they see us say something and we back it up with a life, with a testimony, a real testimony, an authentic testimony, and, and they can see Christ in us. That makes a difference in, in the lives of people. And so Paul was reminding the church there, a sign of maturity was not only to know what you believe and why you believe it, but to walk in truth. Not only, not only talk the truth, but walk the truth. And so I think what he was saying to them was, let your testimony be one that's a godly testimony, one that's consistent, a strong godly testimony, and it makes the difference. In, in the lives of people that, that we see. And so uh, that's what he, I think he's saying there in verse 15. Speak the truth in love that you may grow up in, into him all things which is the head of Christ. Uh, may grow up into him in all things which is the head of Christ. And then the last thing in verse 16, Paul pointed something else out to him. Not only that, that, that we need to a sign of maturity was how, how much we, what we believed and how we, how we walked our spiritual life. But in verse 16, uh, he says something else. He says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied. Now what he's using here in verse 16 is Paul is, Getting a, getting a message across to, to the believers there in, 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 in Ephesus. He's uh, teaching them how important it is to, to be sound in what they believe. Uh, he's, he's teaching them a powerful thing about living life, how, how powerful it is to speak the truth and live the truth and talk the truth. And then in verse 16, he was saying, it's kind of like a body. And, 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 and they could relate to that, I'm sure, and, and we can relate to that. He's using the, 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 the body, the human body, to make this point that, he, that he's making. And that is to let them understand that the, the body of Christ is to be one. When it's, to be, when, it, when it's functioning as God wants it to, it's to be one, to be united in one. And he uses the body to teach that lesson and to make that point. From whom the whole body fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplied according to the effectual work working in the measure of every part making maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love and so what is Paul saying here he's using the body to make a point and that is that when the when the when the whole body is working together physically body physical body and i remember those days I remember when just about everything I had worked. And I can faintly remember those days, but I can't. And when all the joints worked and everything worked, I could get so much done. And now nothing works and I can't get anything done. So I can relate to what Paul was saying. And so in, in, the, in the body, in, in the, the body of Christ, in the church, in the local church, and in, in the universal church, 
this, this, this truth is true in the university church. When it's working together, when it's all working together, we get much done. And that's what Paul was saying was that we all have, God has gifted all of us. He's given some more than one gift. He's given all of us gifts, given some more than one uh, that know him in the church. And we're all to work together for what purpose? And that is work together. And as I see it for two things, one is work together to bring other people into the kingdom. That's evangelism. To bring other people to Christ. Mary reported this morning that we had 11 or 12 people, Mary, that came to Christ as a result of hard work that, that uh, people did uh, to, to put that together. And, and that's what he wants. See, that's what he wants the church to, do, to be about, is bringing people to Christ. And the other thing I think, those that come to Christ, and I really believe that I think we can come to Christ and never move well, the Bible says this. We can continue to drink milk, never eat no meat. We can continue to be babes in Christ and still be a Christian. But, but that's not God's desire for us. His desire is for us to mature, to grow, and lead, you see. And, and I, I think this. I think when, if, if I were sent to a church to evaluate the church, and I have, I have done that with schools. I've been on teams to evaluate the schools. I've never evaluated a church. But if I were to go and evaluate a church, what I would want to do one of the first thing is how many people do you have and how many people are involved in ministry? How many people are doing something? How many people are using their talents, their gifts, to, to, to do things to bring people to Christ and to edify people, to help people to grow up in Christ? And so that's what Paul will see, that we're, we're one here, we're one body, and when that body works together, it gets great things done, and that and that's God's way. I, I, and as I said, I remember I got to tell you this story. I remember relating back to the physical. I always loved to play baseball, and uh, and, and and it might have been Benny and George, or it was one of my boys. They had the old timers game, and they taught me into going and playing in the old timers game. Well, I hadn't. My, my favorite part of baseball was, was hitting. I loved to hit. Uh, by the way, basketball, I loved to shoot. Uh, Scott, that was my favorite part of basketball, shooting. But I remember going out to the baseball field, and I was going to play. In my head, uh, it said, uh, everything said you can really hit it. You can still hit it. Well, when I started to swing, nothing worked. <laughs> Shoulders didn't rotate. Hips didn't rotate. Feet didn't rotate. Nothing rotated. But the bat didn't rotate very, very good. And, and that's, that's the way it is when things don't work. It, it, in the church, the same way. When, when, when it's not working together, it, it, it doesn't function well at all. And just like me, you know, everything's worn out, and I, I'm still existing, but I can't do very much. I can't do the things I used to do. And, and I think the, the potential in the church, we don't understand the potential in the church if we all work together to point people to Christ and have each other grow up in Christ. Getting back to the universal church, and, and I'm fixing to close now. Uh, yeah, we're fixing to close. <laughs> Getting back to the universal church, and this is another belief I got. We, do, we have no clue, I don't think, of the impact if the universal church 
church, the Christians throughout the world, if we knew what to do and how to do it, to stand up and say, here's what we believe, and to show you we believe it, this is what we're going to do. This is the stand we're taking. If the church would stand up and, and, and speak the truth in love, and you notice Paul, as he, as he was uh, sharing this thought with them, he said, speak the truth in love. And there's a difference in Christians speaking the truth in love and speaking the truth and having the fellow in the collar jerking him up, you know, and, and, and telling him what, how sorry he is, you know. Paul reminded him to speak the truth in love, and, and it makes a difference. Uh, Mr. Don and I heard a testimony at our, one of our Gideon meetings not long ago, some months ago, of two Gideons, and this is an example of speaking the truth in love. Uh, several Gideons was giving out Gideon testaments uh, on a college campus, and this, this uh uh, fella came by and they, they offered him a testament. And they were, were dressed up in their, their coat. Like, this is the way we dressed up when we handed out Gideon Testament. And they were there and said, uh, Sir, we'd love to give you a testament. And he said, I'll take it. And he took it and he threw it down, stomped it and spat on it and cussed him out. He was an agnostic. And, and he got in one of them's face and, and while he was telling him what he could do with the Bible, the other one, and I, the first Gideon I heard of doing this, but while he was in his face, the other Gideon dropped the testament in his book sack. <laughs> and he ran across the testament that night. And, and what he, his testimony was, what he remembered was those two people and him cussing them out, stomping on the Bible, of them saying, well, we didn't want to offend you. We don't want to offend you. And we just want to know that we love you and God loves you. And we're going to offer you a testament. And one of them didn't know <laughs> that he got the testament. The other one did. And, but he said when he pulled that testament out that night that fire went all over him again. That these people was trying to poke something down his throat that he totally, totally rejected. <clears throat> and he said, but what he could see was two people with a smile on their face giving him a testament and told him that they loved him even though they didn't know him. But even though we don't know him, we love you. And God loves you. And that's what they saw. And I'd say that was a, an example of speaking the truth in love. And so when we do that, when we live out our lives, and our testimony is one where our words, our actions, uh, our testimony is one of truth uh, with humility, an humble life. And I think we, we don't understand the definition of humility. I think humility, we look at it as weakness, and, and humility is really strength. It takes tremendous strength to be humble. When we, when we are that kind of person that Paul's describing here, God takes that and he, he uses it to touch the lives of people and change the lives of people. And so the thought that, that I'd like for us to carry away with us as we, as we look at this, and you can study this chapter, chapter 4, and see if, you, if, if God speaks to you in the same way. What he's saying to us is, is, is the church, that we are to, to unite together. We are one, one body, working together, taking what God has given us, the gift he's given us, and using them to point other people to Christ and to edify all of us, for all of us to grow up in Christ. And when we do that, I think that's the point then we can leave. You know, 
when God is using me and I'm allowing him to use me, then I can say to others, come on, this is the way to go, and they'll follow me. Thank you for being uh, patient, and uh, we're going to pray now, and we're going to be dismissed. Father, thank you for this day. It's been a good day, and uh, I pray that you take uh, your word now that we've looked at and we've fumbled and bumbled over it, and, and, and I, I realize that. But yet it's your word, it's your truth, this is your time, and we've asked you to bless it, and we, uh, we trust you to do that. Uh, challenge us through it as we look at what you were telling, uh, sharing through Paul's life with the church there in Ephesus, the same is true for us today. And so help us to do that. Help us to, to uh, understand our, our faith, what we believe in, and why we believe in, and be able to share that, to go to Scripture and share and why we believe it, that it's your word, it is the truth. Help us to walk in truth and speak the truth. And uh, Lord, help us to be active in serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.